As I said, we're reading uh, through the book of Acts in Mission 119. I'm sure you're all excited because I just finished like a year and a half sermon series on the book of Acts in the end of December. So we're back in Acts again. It's like we can't get away from the book. So perhaps, you know, it, it struck me as funny that we had just finished and we're going back into it. But today, uh, the message that God has really given me is from another part of our Mission 119 readings. Uh, and that is in Exodus 20. And this is where the Ten Commandments are located. So I have an encouragement for you, for you from, from the Ten Commandments, and then also a, a little bit of a snippet from, from the Acts readings uh, as we go through the Bible together in this, uh, on our weekends here together. So uh, today, I feel compelled to share about something that both mothers and fathers have a lot of experience with, and that is exhaustion. And this is not a message for just mothers and fathers, so don't be... Don't be shutting down on me. <laughs> but let me just tell you from my perspective, I'm exhausted. Jackie is exhausted. She's, she's disappeared from the sanctuary completely. She's melted into the floor. Um, we, are, we are tired. When people ask how things are going with the new baby, I feel too tired to tell them how things are going with the new baby. <laughs> I really do. And I'm not even the one losing the most sleep in my house. Uh, that would definitely be my wife. And I, I don't even speak of tiredness when she's in the room. So I changed my sermon just now. Oh, there she is. Hey, you're the star. So we're tired. Um, I tell people our spirits are good, but we are exhausted. I would pay money to sleep uninterrupted. I'm not sure how much money I'd be willing to pay for like a day of uninterrupted sleep. How much would you pay, Jackie? It's scary to think about. But sleep has become somewhat of a commodity. I remember when I used to just stay up late and get up early and no problem. Now it's, I'd never been able to sleep anywhere before, but now I can do that. When we bought our house a couple of years ago on Jones Road, uh, we were replacing all the doorknobs because they were all very nasty in the house. And we actually replaced a lot of the inside of the house because it was a cat person house. I love cats, but... These people love cats. <laughs> you know those like 1980s neon like high school prom pictures that you see, you know? They had photographs of their cats on either side of their couch when we went and saw the house. It was staged for sale at that point. They had two shelves with miniature cat figurines on them. These people love cats. And there were like lots of cats running around as we looked at the house. And the cats um, as, as you might know, they were under the understanding that the whole house was their toilet. So this house was on, on the market for over a year. And also, also uh, the folks in there were smokers, which they ceased doing when they put the house up for sale, according to a contract. But um, when we went in to visit the house with our real estate agent, they were smoking again. <laughs> so we, our real estate agent very kindly was like, hey, aren't you supposed to not be smoking anymore? And they're like, well, you yeah, know, whatever. So... Um, we got into that house, and we felt really led to that house. One, because it was the only house I think we could afford in Saratoga and still be near the church, which was something we really felt God calling us to do. And, uh, and, and I just said to Jackie, you know, we just have to have a vision, a vision of what we can do. So we, we put some sweat equity into it. Jackie and I and Greg, my, my fa wonderful father-in-law, some other people helped us to rip out the floors, put down subflooring, paint the floors with like, you know, oil-based paint to get the cat smell locked in, paint everything, change the doorknobs. So we, we moved in and all that work was done, which is a really great thing. 
But one of the things we ended up changing was, was the doorknobs. And Jackie and I had a little bit of a disagreement about the doorknobs in our house. I thought, we'll have locks on the outside of our kids' doors and locks on the inside of our doors in our bedroom, <laughs> which I think is considered child abuse, apparently. So um, I was like half kidding with that idea. But just the thought of being able to, lock, to I, guess I, I, I guess I don't call the CPS on me or whatever. Um, but we had a little bit of a disagreement, and, and somehow it seemed wrong to us as we talked about it, bleeding hearts that we are, to have these locks everywhere so the kids' doors don't have locks. Our bedroom has a, a turn lock on the inside, and then you know that little slot on the outside? And uh, you can put a little butter knife in that lock and turn it, and then people can come into your room, which is um, awesome. So I'm <laughs> I've been beefing up the doorknob budget, hoping to replace those soon. And somehow saying, don't come in here unless there's an emergency, turned into, if you cannot agree on what to watch on television, or if you cannot share, first, scream for five to ten minutes outside of our door while we're napping or sleeping, and then take a butter knife, jimmy the door open, come in, and scream at the same time about the, the issue that we've been hearing about for ten minutes. So I'm going to buy some, some doorknobs. But the point of all this is the p parents are not the only ones uh, who need rest in the world, but we certainly need some rest. But all of us need rest. Uh, we are all pretty tired. In this cultural context in which we live, uh, people work hard. The way of the world is go as hard and as fast as you can, as long as you can, until you collapse, burn out, make yourself sick, and when you're sick, retired, or dead, you have earned the right to rest. Is that true? Sick, retired, or dead? You know, my, what's your excuse? Well, I'm dead. I can't work. Um, when you're sick, tired, or dead, then you can take a day off. But you have to earn. You have to earn that time off. You can't just rest. Uh, Richard A. Swenson, in his book Margin, it's an excellent book, says, We do not rest because our work is done. We rest because God commanded it and created us to have a need for it. So the way, our way is to get whatever is done that needs to get done, and then we get to rest. We've earned it. God's way is rest, because it's a command and it's a need, and then take care of the things that need to get taken care of. But we don't need to earn rest. It's interesting, the Jewish Sabbath uh, began, begins the day before, at sundown, when, when the, those folks start to do their, their, their Sabbath rest. I remember when I lived in near Suffern, New York, when I was in school, all of the Hasidic Jews would be walking down the street away from Walmart towards their houses, uh, which is also biblical. Walmart is in there somewhere. But they'd be getting their stuff and trying to get home before sundown to begin their Sabbath. And there's something quite beautiful about that, uh, about, about that mentality of rest. In the Jewish mindset, your day begins the day before your day uh, you're, as you're preparing for the next day. So... We as a people don't seem to have much of a margin for rest. And there's literally nothing and no one encouraging us to rest in our world, in our culture. When was the last time you felt encouraged to rest? By anybody? Shout it out. That's good. That's a good place. I think it's unusual. That's all I'm saying. But that's awesome that your workplace uh, has encouraged you to rest. Another quote from Richard Swenson in his book Margin. He says, We must have some room to breathe. 
We need freedom to think and permission to heal. Our relationships are being starved to death by velocity, speed. No one has the time to listen, let alone love. Our children lay wounded on the ground, run over by our high-speed good intentions. Is God now pro-exhaustion? Doesn't he lead people beside the still waters anymore? Who plundered those wide-open spaces of the past, and how can we get them back? There are no fallow lands for our emotions to lie down and rest in. There is nothing and no one, for the most part, encouraging us to rest in our world, but there is a still small voice from God the Father saying, Rest. Come to me, you who labor, you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Lay your burdens down. Lay down your drivenness, your need to achieve. Lay down your weary body and soul. Come to me and rest. Whenever topics like the Sabbath come up in a church, Christians who are kind of sucked into the way of the world uh, in which we live are quick to tell us that the fourth commandment was fulfilled by Jesus. And this is, uh, of course, true in, a, in, a, in, a, in one sense. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 9, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So religions of this world say you are saved by your, by your works, by and large. Uh, even some supposed Christian fellowships, either spoken or unspoken, you're somewhat saved by your works, by your efforts at being a good person, or by your practices of faith. But Christianity says you are saved by Jesus' final work on the cross. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. He was finishing the work of salvation over 2,000 years before you were born and received Jesus Christ as your Lord. Anyone who looks to Jesus' perfect work on the cross and believes that God forgives them of their sins through that work, those people are saved. And now they can rest. That's what this passage is talking about. Rest, enter into the Sabbath of striving to earn anything, to earn our salvation. Our works which we did in effort to, to, to achieve salvation, which we did as a way of uh, religious um, checklisting, you know, checking off the boxes, or to be a good person. All of those things are worthless compared to the holiness of God. And so God sent Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect holy life, and died on the cross. He says, anyone who looks to my sacrifice on the cross, which is when he received the punishment for our sins, is saved. No more striving, no more earning, no more works. For that reason, people that are brand new to the faith, that come to faith in Jesus, are just as saved as someone who's been a Christian for 50 years. Because it's all by the grace of God. The work of salvation is done. It is finished. Amen? So, the pressure's off of you to, to, to work in that way. Let that scripture from Hebrews speak deeply to your soul. There's a Sabbath rest for God's people. And we're supposed to make every effort to, by faith, receive... Uh, what God did for us through Jesus. That we might receive it by faith and realize that, that striving is done. So Jesus took, took, took care of our salvation so we could rest from striving. But there remains a commandment for us to literally rest one day of the week. Who knew? 
And to this commandment, I said to Jackie in her ear this morning, I said, this is one of those times when if someone asks you how, how we do at this, lie to them. <laughs> and of course, I'm kidding, guys. That's another one of the commandments. <laughs> Breaking, making, making false testimony. But this is a real challenge. But the Bible still teaches us to take a day of rest, a Sabbath every week. In the Bible, uh, Jesus says in the Great Commission, teach them everything that I commanded you. And that includes um, this kind of idea of resting. So I hope to look at this commandment from a little bit of a different perspective, that you understand this is not a religious thing that we're doing to earn anything, but it's a gift of God meant for our good and something that is extremely beneficial. So, Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the, seventh, the Sabbath and made it holy. So this is the fourth commandment, and unlike that Hebrews passage that we read uh, earlier, it's not talking about resting from earning our salvation. It's talking about God, the Creator, prescribing for us a day to physically, literally rest from our work. And God, the Creator, promises to bless that day if we will keep it. The Old Testament people celebrated the Sabbath on Saturday, as I said earlier, New Testament people switched and started celebrating it on Sunday because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead, according to tradition. The importance of which day you keep the Sabbath, I'm going to say with fear and trembling, is not terribly important. What's important is that you take a day to rest because you need it. Uh, I, I, I have had experience with churches that were Sabbatarian, and what that means is uh, that... On Sunday, you are to do no work, and it's very, it's a little bit more of a legalistic feel, like you need to take this day off, you're not allowed to go shopping, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to go to the restaurant, because then you're making other people work. You know, it's a very, and and in some ways, the Pharisees of Jesus' day attacked his disciples, because they weren't keeping the Sabbath the way that the Pharisees, who were the people that were really into the law, thought that they should. And through this teaching... Uh, from, from Mark, which we're going to see in a second, Jesus kind of set straight what the Sabbath is really all about. The Sabbath is a command, is not really a command that you keep because you have to in order to please God, even though it does please God. It's a commandment that you keep because if you don't, you will miss out on the blessing that God wants to give you. So I believe this is something that God wants from us, to have this day of the week that's set aside for rest. And I believe that God will bless that day. And I think it was made for us to be a benefit to us. So here's, a, here's a, the story from Mark 2, 23. And on the Sabbath day of all days, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David and his companions who were hungry did when they were in need? 
In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Here's what I want you to hear. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Here Jesus is, number one, not saying the Sabbath is over. We still keep one. But he's saying that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, and that we're not doing it for God. He's given it as a gift for us. Because if we don't take a Sabbath, we're going to be a mile long and an inch deep. We're not going to have that time that we need to, with God, recuperate and be restored. Jesus is saying that nitpicking which day it is the day of rest is not the point. Sabbath was not made for him, but made for people. And God chooses to actually literally bless this Sabbath that we set aside for him. The Sabbath wasn't only for the Jews. It was a blessing instituted at creation for all humanity before the sin even entered into our lives. On that seventh day, God rested as a pattern for us before the fall, before the fall of man and woman in the garden. So this is something that's so deeply ingrained in the creation. It even, I, I believe that even in the perfect, uh, renewed creation, when God makes all things new and all of our sins are wiped away and everything's all set, I believe that we will still take that seventh day to remember to rest in the Lord because he rested. That's just my speculation. Isaiah 58 talks about the amazing benefits of the Sabbath. It says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day holy and honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So interesting to see that how much God wants to bless his people. And I don't know what those blessings look like exactly. I do know that when I've taken Sabbath and taken Sabbath times away with God, that I've been extremely, like, I've recuperated in silence with God, uh, or, or, or in just not working. And God has blessed me in, in ways I can't even kind of articulate. There's a blessing that God wants to give people on this Sabbath day. And I'm telling you, not many Christians in the United States keep a Sabbath. It's not like a typical thing. Do I think that those people are, you know, in big trouble or something? No, I think it's more that God looks at them and says, look, I want to bless you. I want you to be restored. I want you to be uh, built up. I want to bless this day and make it holy. And if you will honor me by not going your own way on this day, by not trying to just work until you die, uh, I will bless you. I will bless you richly. When it comes to, to Sabbath keeping, something I've always said to people, whether it's in counseling sessions or whether it's just in general, this is a general principle for me. If you're not doing anything at all now, just doing it a little bit is more than you did it last year, you know? So if, you've never, if you don't keep the Sabbath at all, or you have an inconsistent Sabbath kind of keeping, uh, it's better just to start doing it. Uh, not, not worry about, okay, every week we're going to do this on this day, and make it all legalistic to the point where you're so overwhelmed and anxious about what it could look like that you can't even move forward. That's the problem with the Sabbatarian kind of church. They say, you can do these things, you can't do these things. You're, you're kind of, and, and even in the, with the Pharisees, oh, you're not allowed to pick grains of head on the Sabbath, you know, all these kinds of things. 
And by the time that they're done with this beautiful idea of the Sabbath, it's so overwhelming that no one would want to be able to even put it into practice. They have so much anxiety about keeping all these stipulations. But I say start small. Pray to the Lord. If your if, if your household, if you're if you're if you're married, if you're single, uh, whatever your place in life, talk to the Lord. Think through this thing and think about how God wants to bless His people through keeping a Sabbath, and then start doing it. Start small. If you kept the Sabbath one week in the, uh, this year, then in 2019 you can look back and say, I kept the Sabbath 100% more time than I did last year. You know, or the year before. That's what I'm talking about. This is not a legalistic obligation. This is a gift that God wants to give to his people. Uh, so I, I really want to encourage you. The Sabbath was, was not made for God. It was made for you. And the one who said that if you come to him when you're weary and burdened, then he'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. He will literally bless you. So start small. Don't be overwhelmed. Uh, make this a time for you and the Lord to come together. And I, and I have a, I have an encouragement for you that when I've kept the Sabbath in my life, and again, I'm not doing it consistently, but I'm convicted and I want to, I'm convicted by the word and I really want to change my life. God is going to supernaturally make you more productive in the other six days of the week. This is one of those first things first kind of things. It's just like tithing, giving to the church, giving to the Lord. You have to do it and make that your priority. Like, this is what we're doing, we say. Me and Jackie are like, okay, this is what we're doing with our bank account. It's going to automatically send checks every week to the church. This is our baseline. We're going to do this till we, till we die. This is what we're doing. We're going to keep a Sabbath. We're going to do this until we die, right? And once you make that commitment, you will see that you begin to deepen in the Lord. That you have a more productive time when you are working, where you can actually concentrate and get things done. And on, on, on a Sabbath, I've gotten more done in one day than I've been able to get done in a week, uh, at least in the work that I do. I think it's just one of those things that when you commit that, really that percentage of your time to the Lord and, and, and obeying him, he blesses. He blesses. And I think that even if he didn't, even if, even if your life um, didn't feel like it was enriched, which I believe it would be by taking a Sabbath, that it honors God. You know, God just wants, God wants to be put first in our lives, in, in all things. And we can't serve both God and money, and we can't serve both God and the pack, kind of pack schedules that we keep without any margin for him. Uh, it's going to kill us. So the worship team is going to come forward. We're going to, we'll be ending a little bit early today. And uh, we're just going to spend some time in worship. This song says, Your praise will ever be on my lips. And just in your own, in your own quiet way, um, talk with the Lord about this idea of Sabbath. It was made for you. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a special thing that God has put in place. It's ingrained into who we are. The creator who made us understands how we work says, do this and you will be blessed. And as we worship, I want to remind you from our readings this past week in Acts. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell on God's people. They received the Spirit. In Acts 4, after some persecution, the disciples got together and prayed, and they received the Spirit again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the, let the rest of Jesus Christ and the Sabbath of Jesus Christ enter your life in this moment with the Holy Spirit. And in your heart, make a commitment that you will walk towards a place of deeper and greater health with God. That we would 
we would honor God with our time, which I think that is more valuable to us than money these days in our context. So in a real way, we're saying, God, I trust you with my time, our, my, my most valuable currency. I will take this day for you. I will not be legalistic, but I will set it apart, either on my own or with my family. And I will do it because I want to honor you and I want to honor the way you've created me to require this rest. So as we worship God in song, just be thinking on these things, be asking for the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then I'll pray for us.